At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber. Uh, futures are weak as the Fed hangover continues from Powell's presser on Wednesday. Uh, jobless claims don't budge by much, just down about 33,000. And Snowflake is back below its opening price from yesterday's action. Watch oil, too, as a Sally leaves its mark on production. Our roadmap begins with Snowflake's monster debut, but is it buyer beware? IPOs that have doubled do not have a great track record after the debut. Plus, the president and TikTok, he says he's not prepared to sign off on anything for an Oracle TikTok deal. And Wall Street poised for a sharply lower open following the Fed's pledge to keep interest rates low for years. And technology stocks do lead the declines. Speaking of which, Jim, sounds like uh, your conversation with Joe a moment ago kind of rings with what Credit Suisse says today about uh, tech valuations overall. That is that there is some excess and they're lightening their weight at least on software. Look, I count 30 companies that are selling at 30 times sales. Uh, and then there's a number, even more, maybe another 10 that are selling above that, 50 times sales for Zoom. And along comes Snowflake at 100 times sales. So you just have to put the stop sign up because what it says is there's going to be so much supply that is coming. Yeah, look, if, you're, if you own a company and you've been waiting for it to come public, well, you just got the green light. And you're seeing the market come down because the supply is going to be immense. And the institutions didn't even have enough cash on hand to be able to complete their allocation by, uh, let's say they get a big half allocation on Snowflake. They come in the rest of the, uh, when the stock's up uh, in the open market. And the, together, they ended up spending far too much and they're selling everything else. And that's why the futures are down. David, you know, when you start seeing secondaries from the likes of Chewy, when you start seeing ba- uh, banks uh, saying to their clients, to their investment banking clients, listen, there's so much. This is your chance. Bring Airbnb public, pu- public right now. OK, uh, bring uh, Stripe public right now. This is oh, yeah. the beginning of the avalanche and the market can't handle it. Yep. Well, I don't know about whether the market can handle it or not, but I do understand, Jim, why you'd want to hit it as soon as you possibly can. And again, it, you know, there are uh, there are things that you, you well, let's take a look at the business models. Let's take a look at what is going to file to come public. There's nothing like the lack of quality that we saw in the late 90s. Right. These ridiculous business models that really had no opportunity or chance to potentially ever hit profitability. And it might not even have been about that. That's not now. But to your point, Jim, the quality is one I guess we'll keep an eye on. Yes. And 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 then the multiples. I mean, that's shocking what you just said. Thirty that are at least third, selling at 30 years' worth of their revenues. Right. And I think people at home should understand that you should be reluctant to pay anything more than twice the growth rate of earnings. Now we're paying things. I mean, I, I heard Mr. Slootman 
really business, just say now we really got to we, we have to somehow to put a shorthand grow into this market cap. But I don't know how he can possibly do it. He's already growing at 100 percent. Was he going to start accelerating to 200 percent? Carl, when you get the kind of buying in the aftermarket that we saw, what it says is pull back, raise cash, do not be overweighted in tech because there is going to be way too much coming and the market can't handle it. We saw this in 2014. That was a better example. Of course, David's right, 2000. Uh, half those companies don't, didn't exist 18 months later. But we saw this in 2014. There was a sudden surge. And then the market was overwhelmed. And the whole market went down simply because of the IPO market. It can happen again. All right. So the knock-on effect, Jim, if, if mega cap tech, and we're seeing a little bit of this today, uh, starts to retest those recent lows, how much, um, how much danger is the overall index? How much danger is the NASDAQ 100, at least, in, in the near future? Look, a couple of weeks ago, we dropped 10% in three days. Uh, why we can't do that again, I don't know. By the way, this is seasonally the weakest 10 days uh, that we have in the stock market right now. So I think it's almost uh, part and parcel with the idea that we have to go back to where we were uh, d- during that uh, Labor Day weekend and see if we can hold. Uh, remember, you take a stock like Zoom. Remember, Z- Zoom is the bedrock because Zoom was at 50 times earn, uh, fifty times sales until Snowflake came. No, we saw Zoom drop 100 points in three days. And uh, this stock went from 400. Really, Zoom is really amazing. It went from 450 down to 350. It's growing faster. Uh, than any other company in the universe, and it still fell like that. I think that that could be textbook about what could happen again. You, so, yeah. You know, because each time I make these references to the late 90s, I also think of things that are very different now. I guess it reminds me of what Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Was that him? I think so. I mean, there is this rhyming that, we, that, I, that I sense, Yes, Jim, and I think you are too. Um, and, and I guess we need to remind people, particularly those who are not, with us back then, uh, who were not focused on the market or perhaps not even alive, some of these Robin Hood traders, uh, that, you know, when you get to levels like this, it's not, it's easy to just pull the bottom out and say, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, uh, my friend Steve Galbraith, one of the greatest hedge fund managers, but also analysts. One, one of my roommates from, from college. I did not know yeah. that. Well, do you know he just sent me the implications of IPO a go-go? And I'm reading it, and it's like, yeah, it's going to be bad. You know, November's going to be a lot of selling because of this. And then I read it. It's from November 30th, 1999. <laughs> he sent me an old piece, 21-year-old piece of research, right. and I thought it was current research. That's where we are, Carl. When you read a piece of research and it's talking about how there's just too much <laughs> supply, and you think it's like, wow, you're right, Snowflake. It's not Snowflake. What are we talking about? It's MWD. It's, it's a group of companies. I don't know. Actually, so, read I, some of those companies. I want. Are there? I'd no, love to. I'd love I mean, to go back. I love. You know, I'm well, very nostalgic. David, there was a company called yeah. World. That's yeah. not in this, but uh, no. WorldCom turned out to be a fraud. Suboptimal, as you Suboptimal. like to say. Yep. I, I was very involved in that story, as I recall. Yeah. Yes, so. and, and when you look at Snowflake, it's anything but that. Of but the problem is, what comes next? And uh, when I see, I, look, I know this sounds unimportant. Uh, Chewy, they sent very, they sent flowers for the the death of my dog, and most appreciated. Okay. Um, but I do feel very strongly that when you start seeing the secondaries. 
Uh, and there's one that's filed this morning. Or you're saying primary offerings and now from secondary. the companies and secondaries by se- selling shareholders Well, no, well. no. They're calling it a secondary in the news, but it is a primary. Yeah, I, I, they, you know, I, I wish they would get make that it right. Because we refer to a secondary no, right. when other shareholders, not the company, are actually it selling is, yeah. stock. So it's not a raise of capital. 55, 56 is going to come. It's $275 million that the company needs. Now, David, what has happened, and Carl, I, mean, I think this is really important, that if people want to go back to what happened in 1999, the market was still going up. It were, it were the insiders were selling furiously. But when you get IPO a go-go, thank you again, Steve Galbraith, who wrote this piece, what that says is look out underneath. And I, don't, I think, David, you made a great point. The young investors are probably figuring out, well, what the heck's the matter with 100 times sales? It means it's a great company. No. No, it means it's an overvalued stock that is associated with a great company. And David, we got some work to do to teach people this stuff. Yeah, we do. Uh, but we do, without a doubt. And at the same time, Jim, we are in unique circumstances. I mean, I listened to Chair Powell yesterday. I know you did as yes. well. Lower for longer, lower forever, no inflation. I mean, it does beg the question of, well, maybe this is a little bit different. I mean, rates were a lot higher. No, rates were a lot higher. But at the same time, here's another piece by Galbraith. He's really sending me some great ones. March 14th. Doesn't send me anything. Well, what can I I tell you? Come on. Well, look, I I was a a hedge fund guy then pouring the business onto him. I haven't even heard from him in years. He says he's been laying low. March 14th of 2000, he writes, jailbreak, the coming flood of expiring IPO lockups. Well, what was March 14th, 2000, Carl? The peak. March Not 10th. Good. I thought it was March 10th. Yeah. That was uh, my okay, so he's off by four yeah. days. You're yeah. just mad at him because he's sending it to me, not you. I am. I'm but, a little upset. But I mean, Carl, we're old friends. We have on the wall a picture of Snowflake, okay? And what that says to me, what, was it open? Was it institutions did not put up the stop sign? They're happy to buy anything. So get ready for the supply. I happen to love the company Airbnb. If I were Airbnb, I would call the syndicate desk of Morgan Stanley and say, I want my, I want my deal tomorrow. And then we also have, Carl, all these, uh, these deals that are, of course, direct listing. So that's just a new amount of supply that's hitting everybody that nobody's ready. And yes, so the Fed says rates are low. Well, why are they low? Because there's some businesses that are doing so poorly. He was calling out for a stimulus deal yesterday. He said he can't do it. But it looks like we're not getting a stimulus deal. Uh, Mr. Slootman, 3.9. He deserves every penny. He has a cot in the office, for heaven's sake. And he was so, Carl, I don't know if you caught uh, how just humble he is, but wow, does he have his work cut out for him. Uh, yep, we're going to hear from him uh, what he told us uh, yesterday, at least about the price action. But, Jim, I mean, all the things you're mentioning, uh, the supply, the insider selling, we just had the biggest burst of selling in five years uh, by insiders. I mean, what's, be- what's between you uh, saying this is 1999-2000 again. What's, what's between you saying that? Uh, what, do, what more do you need to, to make that declaration? Uh, I can't because these are great companies. And there is a revolution, a digitizing revolution. And when you go and you listen to what FedEx has to say, you say, well, everybody's getting digitized. But what I'm saying is, well, if you feel that, go buy FedEx. Uh, I deal with so many companies uh, in cybersecurity, for instance, that are about going for work from home. I've got proof point on tonight. Your eyes glaze over that there's so many of them. I mean, is this the level to go by Okta? I often use that as the kind of the paradigm because it's such a good company. And the answer is there are so many people who do not know these companies. They happen to be great companies. But when the panic comes, 
the ETFs are going to be sold. And then the ETF selling is so aggressive. It doesn't, it's obviously not price sensitive. And so yeah, I'm not going to call 1999 because I do like these companies very much. But I call 1999 when it comes to supply. Uh, and remember, unlike the, these days, unlike back then, there's so much money that is indexed. These people will not be there to bail you out. None of these companies are in the index. David, the companies that we're talking about are new. They tend to be good. They're about the cloud. But there's not enough capital to stand there when they come down. That may be true, but there are a lot. There are fewer stocks now than there were back then, for sure. That's true. A lot fewer. But would you rather own Caterpillar, knowing that there's a big mining resurgence? Or United? uh, Would you rather own uh, UPS? Uh, would, you, would you rather own FedEx? Yes, yes. I Man, would. What because, a move from FedEx. But their valuations, God. Union Pacific, yeah. the valuations, they're so low right. versus this stuff. Carl, it is a relative valuation. Someone could say, well, wait a second, Jim. Union Pacific's more expensive than it's ever been. I would say, no, it's not really because I think the earnings are going to be there. I am just pointing out that the stuff that is working has now gotten too expensive. But there were and, also great, I mean, there are great companies in the late 90s, too, that are still with us. I mean, Cisco may have gotten ahead of itself, but it was a great company. When did it come back to where uh, it was? It came back a lot. <laughs> 20 years? Yeah, yeah 20 it's been years. a long time, I guess. Right. It hit $500 billion in market value, I believe. Oh, I don't think it ever traded north of 480. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it would hit 480. But I mean, at the same time, and listen, Amazon, of course, was that was its first growth spurt at the time. Uh, Yahoo, okay, maybe no longer really with us in a significant way. AOL used its currency to buy Time Warner. That's now a part of AT&T. But, uh, you know, CMGI, I guess that didn't do as well. JDS Uniphase, no, maybe not. That stood for Just Don't Sell Us. That was a symbol, JDSU. And then it became Just Don't Sue Us. (laughs) But there were, and there are, many great companies back then. I mean, Microsoft hit, obviously, a level in terms of PE that I don't think it's anywhere near now. No, Qualcomm. I'm, I'm just warning people, it's a hidden disease. It's not something that's in front of us, Carl. You're not going to see these companies so-called disappoint in earnings or go away. But what you're going to see is people are going to pay less when there's a negative story. And I, I, I know that when a negative story about tech. And I think we have to just warn people that there are two markets right now. There's the market that happens to be somewhat inexpensive, let's say trucking, transport. And then there's a market that's outrageous and it's all coming home to roost because of a great company like Snowflake. Yeah, and not to mention uh, the size of um, tech that accounts for the S&P at large, Jim. Uh, A lot of liabilities there. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Futures are weak as we see that hangover from uh, Powell's presser continue. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Back in a minute. Time for an update on that uh, battle, real battle between uh, Bernard Arnault, of course, and LVMH and its prospective uh, purchase of Tiffany uh, late yesterday uh, in uh, in uh, court in the Chancery Court of the State of Delaware. Um, LVMH filed its opposition to the plaintiff's motion for expedited proceedings. Why is this important? Remember, they're going to go to trial in Delaware, Chancery Court, 
to try to determine whether or not LVMH has the right to potentially exit its merger agreement with Tiffany, specific to actually what they're claiming are uh, material adverse effects, but also has to do with that order, well, not order, that letter that they got from the foreign minister in France. But uh, here's a look at, uh, at it. It hit late yesterday. Um, and it is a response, of course, to Tiffany's desire to get this thing in court as soon as possible and preferably prior to the November 24th end. In other words, drop dead date, so to speak, uh, of the agreement that binds the two to each other, at least at this point. Uh, key things that LVMH uh, shared in the uh, opposition to the plaintiff's motion. Well, uh, one certainly is the basic idea that they say, listen, you know what? There's no need for expedited proceedings here. A trial can be held, they say, at a reasonable date. You can take a look at the language in 2021. That's in six or seven months from now, subject to the court's availability. And if, in fact, you found then that we were not entitled to refuse to close under the terms of the agreement of the outside date, in other words, after the 24th, we will agree to specific performance. What does that mean? It means, all right, if you find, Judge, we have the trial in six or seven months, and you find that we really actually were in breach and we're guilty, the guilty party here, we'll close the deal on the terms, 135 in cash, remember? And that's okay. well, another reason why, of course, this is a focus of investors, because the stock's trading 15 bucks below that. Now, what does LVMH say? Well, Roger Farah uh, fires back. Uh, they say, once again, sort of the same line here. Their opposition to our motion to expedite is the latest attempt to run out the clock to avoid fulfilling its obligations under the merger agreement. If LVMH were confident in its legal position, it would have no reason to oppose an expedited trial schedule. And they go on to urge the court to hold the trial on a timetable so you can get that uh, in before the November 24th termination date. We'll see what the court decides to do here. It's going to be very important, it would seem. Um, they have ruled in favor on a, on a few of expediting, but there was also Amex Biz versus Carlisle, where this judge did not give them expedited. Uh, the Chancery Court just re reopened for in-person uh, or will in October. So we'll have to wait and see, guys. But it's going to be interesting to watch that. And, of course, a lot of this does come back to that letter. Remember the letter, Jim? I mean, uh, you know, I have this vision now because they let Tiffany's lawyer come into Paris and look at the letter. Couldn't touch the letter. Couldn't take a picture of the letter. But you could just look at the letter and try to determine what vibes you were getting from the letter. Of course, the key remains whether it is an actual order, as LVMH would have us believe, that they cannot do a deal at least prior to January 6th, cannot close a transaction. Tiffany saying, no such thing. It's not an order. It doesn't, isn't binding, and therefore it has no application whatsoever to our current agreement. But that continues to be something we haven't heard from the foreign minister, Jim, at all since then. Well, Silence. It is funny that, we look at the parrot, uh, really just the, sh the comparisons here. If the French government gets involved, what, to kill an expensive deal because of what happened with COVID. The United States government gets involved because the president wants a cut of the uh, Oracle. He was so Oracle disappointed, deal. wasn't he, to find out that it wasn't something he could do. Yeah. Right. It, 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 yeah. And the Navarro faction has just decided, look, you know, the big guy shouldn't, shouldn't take this deal. Uh, and I think that what's happened is... is well, you're referring now to TikTok. We should make TikTok. the point. No, I'm you're, just you're, saying... You're, right, you're, right. And, you're, and you're drawing the parallels in some weird way. But by the way, the foreign ministry kind of seems to kind of be... They're certainly not giving us clarification. Right? We want to know. Because if this thing is an actual binding order from the French government, then it really gives LVMH a significant 
out here, even though they still will have to go to trial but David, uh, in Delaware. Where, but we don't know that. But you didn't you left out the yes. key piece of how powerful LVMH is. He, the very powerful man. And no you doubt. Think that, that but does Bernard he go back again to say, please try to clarify this so that everybody knows that you're really telling me we can't do it? Well, he's the fashion de Gaulle. By the way, uh, on the larger question of Tiffany's performance, remember the dividends they paid yeah. really drove LVMH crazy. It's, it's littered in the complaint here. They did it. They did it again. It drives them insane. But the, the, the luxury market, Jim, the luxury market, and this is a report this morning um, from B of A, is quite strong. Yes. Mainland China continues, and even they say U.S. luxury is up mid-teens in the third quarter. Very strong. Very strong. Maybe time to get back in at a better price. All right, there it is. 20 bucks below, Carl. We'll see what we get from here. That's our latest update. Yeah, we're going to watch some of these levels, too, on uh, the uh, triple Qs and the NASDAQ 100 tech stocks at large as futures are close to their lowest levels in the morning. Don't go away. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Futures week here as we see uh, most of FANG going to open down between 2 and 3%. A lot of news on Amazon, Oracle, TikTok, obviously, Southwest Airlines, Chewy, and, of course, Snowflake looking at 232 today. Back in a minute. Opening bell in about three minutes. Let's get a mad dash with Jim. A company that I just love. A company that makes it my favorite chair, Aeron. Herman Miller. Yes, MLHR. They reported a completely blowout quarter last night. Why? Well, because, Carl, people are rebuilding their homes. And by the way, uh, Stuart Miller said the same thing. He's executive chairman of Lennar. And we don't, the conference call is going on right now. But um, when I think about Herman Miller, I'm thinking e-commerce up 248 percent, expansion in margins by 300 basis points. And get this, 300 percent increase in purchases in the home. So this is what's going on. And when you asked me earlier about you know, how much risk there is in the market, given the fact that the Fed is totally in favor, I'm not saying that the market's going to go down huge. I just think that you could revisit what happened uh, during the Labor Day. And the reason why it can't go down huge is because stocks like Herman Miller, because the consumer got is flush. The office is going home, despite what I hear from people who have vested interest, who tell us on air that don't worry, everyone's coming back. Barclays in London just today. Two people have COVID. They're going back home. It's Herman Miller market. And don't panic, people. Get off leverage and recognize that we could do a retest because of the the over exuberance of Snowflake. If we don't get that over-exuberance in the next deal, we're going to say we're fine. And Dave, one more point. David's in a jam, but one more point. If we get a stimulus package, Carl, and you're out of the market, you will feel awful. I do feel that the stimulus package is very hard to get. But if we do get it, Carl, you can't be out of this market. Just cut down the exposure yep. to the highest tech stocks. That's all I'm asking. Yep. Um, 
Met Meadows today, uh, who was on our air yesterday, uh, did say POTUS is open to one and a half trillion. Really? Going to meet with some airline executives uh, later on today. This is Meadows. Um, on the other hand, I mean, uh, I know a lot of the D.C. reporters are going to watch to see how many members are uh, going home to campaign. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be to a large degree a, a role, you know, just a head count of who's sticking around uh, in anticipation of any deal. But we've done so many stories here about the other part of the economy, and there's a piece today that's really excellent recommending Darden, uh, which is Olive Garden. And they're talking about how once they start getting uh, third-party delivery, they'll do great. But what is Olive Garden doing right now? They're doing uh, the reformatting of the floor of the restaurant. See, they have the money to be able to make it so that they could cut the seats in half and still do well. But what the stimulus has to do is be targeted to all the companies we know that yep. can't make it. You know, we're seeing lots of pieces now about companies coming in and buying up the leases because so many mom and pop stores are going under. Is that good? No. That's why I think that yeah. there has to be no, a stimulus I mean, this was, Yeah, this was part of the conversation with Powell yesterday that, that kind of got lost. You know, why yes. is the transmission mechanism so weak in getting money to the, the enterprises that you're talking about? Jim, I wonder if you think a 10% surcharge for New York City restaurants is going to help at all. Um, no. I mean, I think the only thing that helps is a vaccine, Carl. And we just need money to tide people over. That's all you need. You need money to tide people over. Uh, and I, I think that the parties have to agree. I'm not even saying which party's wrong. I'm saying they have to agree. Because there can't, look at that sea of red. A stimulus bill would change that. That's not why we should have one. But it's for the 14 million people that will and are going to be unemployed when it gets too cold to have restaurants outside, which is what's going to yep. happen. Yep. That's, it's starting to happen already yes. uh, in the north. There's the opening bell, Jim, at the NYSC celebrating an IPO telehealth company, Amwell, at the NASDAQ. Another IPO, Sumo Logic, real-time software analytics company. Uh, we're going to talk to the CEO in Squawk Alley. Jim, um, well, watch the levels. By the way, the, uh, the 9-11 NDX low, 10-945, so we'll keep that in mind. You mentioned vaccines, Jim, and uh, Bansell from Moderna was on Squawk this morning talking about the timeline, uh, the aggressive timeline, the, the, the bull case, the bear case of when we might start to get some data. Here's what he said. We're sticking to what we have said before, which is based on the current epidemiology, the rate of infection in the country at the location and counties where we have sites. We anticipate our base plan for efficacy for the first interim readout to be in November. That's our base plan. Uh, our best plan is October. I think it's unlikely, but it's possible. And if the infection rate in the country was to slow down in the next weeks, it could potentially be pushed out as a worst-case scenario, I would say, in December. Right. All right. So October, Jim, unlikely but possible. Not enough illness. I know that sounds terrible, but, you know, if you are in an area where COVID has been tamped down, like the United States, which in New York, uh, where it is, in New York, there's a trial going on, it, it, it's not going to produce anything. I mean, you're, the placebo is going to be equal to the actual and that makes it very difficult to try to figure out whether it's working or not. So, I mean, look, I would, if you, it would be great if you could just go to every college campus because I think that that's where the hotspots are right now. But we just don't have enough arms in the right places. David, you know that if we can't figure out uh, the hotspots 
and then put the vaccines, the trials there, then what we're going to do is have a lot of people say, hey, listen, this vaccine works, but we really don't know because there's not a lot of COVID. Right. Uh, we need you need some. You obviously have a lot of people who don't have it at all. Um, uh, but I'm uh, Jim, I'm a look. I mean, Pfizer's got 30,000 people in their trial. Yeah, I, I was they well, managed to get J&J is going to have 120,000 people, 120,000. Everybody from J&J apparently is going to take the vaccine. That's interesting. Isn't it? That's why I, one of the reasons why I want to be in the J&J trial, which is very, some of these trials are very hard to get into. Uh, but but, but Carl, listen, we also need to, again, once again, make it clear to people. There's what? the vaccines. There's also the. The, there are also the monoclonal antibodies. That's for Generon and Lilly, right? right? And then there's the small molecule, which is Merck. Right. Antivirals, I'm talking now, by right. the way. Those are antivirals as opposed to the vaccine. We'll talk about it every day until we actually get something out of phase three that, that, that gets approved or emergency right. usage. But then the question becomes, guys, who's going to take it? How quickly are you going to take it? Manufacturing may be there, but can you distribute it? You've all seen the 8,000 Boeing, whatever it is, right. that would be needed in the minus 80 degrees Fahrenheit. FedEx is ready with those, but Are they? Yes, they did. They said it on the call, the call so maybe, by the way. Maybe it will happen. Maybe there'll be an enormous effort made. And, Honeywell's and, ready with vials. But, that, you know, you like to listen to Dr. Fauci. He didn't seem particularly optimistic for the yeah. idea of it being widely available early next year. No, and I think maybe we spent too much time talking about one case that may or may not be related in what it was supposed to be a, tr- a very powerful vaccine. Oh, the AstraZeneca, the AstraZeneca which has resumed. Vaccine. Which has resumed. Right. right. And what I want to relate it to the stock market, we are now at the levels, Carl, that I thought that, that I'd like to see the yep. market hold. This is it right here. And yep. I, uh, I think vaccine. Every. Hmm? I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, Jim, you're talking about levels. I was just looking at breath fill in. Uh, you got every component on the uh, NASDAQ 100 red and every Dow component red. I haven't seen that in a while. Well, that's probably wrong after what the Fed chief said. Yeah, Fed chief basically said, I mean, it was very distracting because you have that kind of massive Hollywood squares game they're playing uh, with all those people. But it was very clear. He's saying, listen, we need a stimulus. If we get a stimulus and at the same time we get the antivirals, I think David's right, that's your hope, in and out of the hospital, then we're going to say, why didn't we buy this day? I think this is the snowflake hangover. I think that you can entice people in at certain prices. And I want to make it very clear. I'm not talking about Robin Hood people. They got a break yesterday. Uh, Larry Culp told a very positive story in GE. Ford told a very positive story in EV. Those are the two most popular, uh, consistently popular stocks on Robin Hood. It's not the Robin Hood people who are doing this. It is the momentum traders. And if they would step back and exert some discipline and we get some sort of stimulus and we keep hearing some better things about the antivirals because I know Regeneron thinks they've got something pretty good then we're going to say why didn't we buy today so this is this is i was uh, hoping for somewhere closer to uh where we went a few days ago uh, in labor day we're there yeah. we're there so i uh, you know, remember we're hey, there hey jim remember when there was that brief rotation into banks a couple of weeks ago Yeah, well that was ill fate and we said it was probably only 24 hours long I think we were. We ended up. That was right, right. I mean, I banks were lower than they were then, aren't in they? In the overnight trade, I think it, the overnight trading minutes was only about eighteen hours. Long. Was it eighteen hours? There yeah, was someone I, who I raised out a, because we do JP look at Morgan markets today. like this and we try to figure out if there is some sort of algorithmic rotation there. The machines perhaps citing values somewhere or some connection that we're not particularly aware of at looking at it. But that doesn't seem to be the case right now. And of course, sometimes I mean, I don't know. Do you? When do you buy? After what Powell said yesterday, what, what do you do with the banks? Well, you sell them and buy PayPal and Square. Okay, so you just come back buy to the FinTech, same trade. Just keep going back to FinTech. Right. Uh, you buy Visa. Look, what we need to see 
Wells Fargo has been stabilized here for a while. Yeah. That's a positive, but it's stabilized down 52%. City has to stabilize. They're obviously going to have some regulatory issues coming up. Maybe. Jane Fraser's got maybe. Oh, me. I don't know. Maybe? My understanding is that Corbett's plan was in place long before we heard no, any of the Southern true. news. And I think that the Wall Street Journal article was unfair. Yeah. There was no firing here. This no. was all planned. And Corbett made a huge amount of money. I'm glad you brought that up. Because I think Corbett has been very unfairly tainted by the Wall Street Journal article. I read it and reacted to it. I wish I hadn't. Right. Just because I thought the article had to be true. But what matters to me is there's still regulatory issues and there's dividend pressure. If the Fed is watching this show, they're saying, well, wait a second. We got to worry about the dividends. Carl, nobody is worried uh, right now to the degree that they should be about a, a potential pause in dividends ordered by the Fed. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm reluctant to come out and say, you know what, you got to go big Bank of America. You got to go big JP Morgan. They represent real value. Uh, because I think that there are people who are complacent in these stocks and think that the city 4.5% yield is fine. So I can't go there. So are you, I guess, are you more bullish on loan growth? Than consensus, because a big part of the conversation yesterday was why they're not uh, taking more good loans, at least. Well, I I actually think that we're in a a position where the consumer is so liquid, they're not even going to take a lot of loans. Oh, they didn't like uh, there were some charge offs uh, for Citi. But Citi didn't have all that much bad credit card. I I don't think I think that the Fed is, is just prepared to say, look. There's a part of the economy that's about to be shut down. And those people, uh, we don't want we would we don't really want the banks to lend to them. We want stimulus from the government. And I thought I thought Powell was so good yesterday, really laying the case out for stimulus. But, Carl, I, I, it may be falling on deaf ears because, as you said, there are people going home and uh, Congress. There's just too many, too many people in Congress who think if we don't get a stimulus package, it's good for their party. Uh, and I wish that weren't the case because that's it's bad for America. And that's yeah. what matters. Um, uh, by the way, the airline executives are in Washington this morning, guys. I, I understand Gary Kelly uh, spoke a few minutes ago outside the White House. Meadows is on the tape now, Jim, saying that the airlines do not, do not understand why there is not a, a standalone bill to help the industry and that the time frame for layoffs is pretty dire, likely to start coming in the coming weeks, as we well know. Yeah, they didn't get the big rebound in traffic they were thinking about in Labor Day. Phil's been, Phil LeBeau's been all over this. Uh, the hotels are in a similar, it's hotels, it's airlines, of course, travel, leisure. Yesterday, I had a fellow by the name of Aaron Levy on. He, he runs this very small company called Box. But one of the things that he made very clear is, is that there's so many deals being made without having to get people on planes, business people, without having to get business people into hotels. These are, and David, you know this, these are the profitable clients. And they're not doing it. They're doing it on Zoom. If you, if you can still close 10-figure deals on Zoom, why fly out a team of five people flying first class on an airline and then staying at really nice hotels and buying very expensive bottles of wine? No, listen, there is no doubt that uh, people who run companies are taking note of the lack of T&E at this point and wondering whether that can continue for a long period of time, given the, the productivity that seems to still be available without getting people on planes. Now, I think when you're making a new introduction, uh, it becomes more difficult. But when it's an existing relationship, it, it doesn't necessarily need tending by in-person meetings as much. And so this is something that may stay with us long after the pandemic passes. 
course, executives are still going to get on planes and people are still going to want to meet in person, but not to the extent that they did. And even those who used to go and make their rounds of Asia frequently, I mean, that's just going to cut back. You're not going to meet with Masa for an hour. You know, you're just not going to do that, travel around the world. Those meetings are not happening uh, and may not happen ever again. You want to have a meeting like this? Be my guest. I'd rather see you by Zoom. Okay, and this is the Honeywell sport mask. It's dynamite. Well, but my point is, Jim, it's long after that. When you no longer need to, they're still not going to do it as often as they did in 2019, for example. True. We should go back to Carl. All right. Uh, This is exactly exactly what Meadows is saying. COVID has not abated in a way that allows the airlines to return to their normal operating schedule. Let's listen to what uh, Doug Parker of American and Gary Kelly of Southwest said just a few moments ago. Morning. 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 How are y'all? We, we defer. Do you guys want to make a statement or we can ask questions? No, we'll, we'll make a quick statement. Look, um, we're all here. We airline CEOs are here uh, on behalf of the people that work for us um, who are doing great jobs out there taking care of, of uh, keeping our country moving when our country's largely paralyzed with fear. Uh, they're out there putting their uniforms on, going to work every day and making sure we're moving. And without action, uh, they're going to they're going to be furloughed on October 1st, and it's not fair. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to our country. Uh, there's enormous bipartisan support for an extension of the payroll support program, which would keep those people employed. Um, and the only problem we have is we don't have a vehicle for getting it done. Uh, we need to have a COVID relief package that includes that. So we're just here to plea uh, with um, everyone involved to get to a COVID relief package before October 1st. On October 1st, those people are furloughed, um, and we just want to make people understand that without that, um, that's absolutely what's going to happen. In small communities, we'll lose service. So uh, we made that plea today uh, to Mr. Meadows. He's heard it before. He understands. Uh, um, I, we believe they're very much interested in getting to a, in getting to a deal, uh, and uh, we're going to continue to work uh, now with the speaker as well to make sure that uh, she also is... Uh, understands the situation. I believe she does. We've been in contact with her, um, but more work to do. We need a relief package done uh, to get this uh, PSP extension approved. It's not about the PSP extension. Enormous bipartisan support for that. It's about getting a relief package done between now and October 1st. So just for housekeeping quickly, you met with Meadows, with the president. Are you meeting with the president of this group at any point today? It was Mr. Meadows only. Well, and, and are you meeting with Speaker Pelosi at some point today in person, or? We have a request. Yeah, we reached out. Yeah, we had a very good meeting with Chief, and uh, as Doug said, you know, our country is is fighting this pandemic. We have a long way to go to recover. Uh, the First CARES Act kept this country out of a depression. Yeah. And I think the only mistake uh, that, that uh, was made is it just didn't go far enough and long enough. So. Um, we're, we're obviously here supporting the airlines and our people. Um, there's very broad bipartisan support, as Doug was describing. And um, uh, Chief Meadows assured us uh, that the White House uh, is very interested in getting something uh, done. So we reached out uh, to the speaker, uh, just encouraged the two sides to work together so that we can save jobs uh, and really, in a broader sense, save this economy. And uh, uh, we're obviously very hopeful, but we're down to the bitter end of this with the uh, first uh, payroll support program expiring at the end of this month. And 
number of the airlines have already announced thousands, tens of thousands of furloughs. Uh, real people, real jobs, uh, that certainly won't help the economy. And it's bigger than the airlines. Uh, we're just we're, we're a, a small part of the economy, but a meaningful one. And uh, we appreciate the time uh, with you all this morning. So, so, how, much, so gonna, how much we've got to go to how much money uh, specifically are you requesting and how long could that last you? Plain extension of the first. Plain extension of the PSP. And, and so, March 30, so in other words, bailout as March opposed to borrowing. The airlines are not looking to borrow, right? You're looking for clean extension of the PSP. The exact same provisions, yeah, just extended six months. Thank you all very much. Money goes directly to employees. Thank, Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, Gary Kelly of Southwest, Doug Parker of American. Uh, Phil LeBeau joins us, uh, Phil, on a day where some airlines are also trying to access the capital markets like Delta. Yeah. Yeah, Delta upsizing the uh, the amount of money that they're borrowing against the frequent flyer program. They announced it last week, six and a half billion. Today, they said we're going to take out a term loan facility for an additional two and a half billion dollars. So cash is king. As we've talked about, you want to have as much liquidity as on hand for the next 18 to 24 months. And Carl, one important point. I don't know if you could hear at the end of that when somebody says, what are you looking for? Are you looking for an extension of the CARES Act? And they said, yeah, that's what we're looking for. Why is that important? They are not looking to borrow money from the Treasury Department. They're already leveraged to the hilt. What they are looking for? Grants. Grants from the, mon from the government that they will not have to repay so that they can then pay the employees who otherwise will be furloughed come October 1st. And the key is you got to have some kind of legislation. You got to have a vehicle. You don't have a vehicle. It doesn't matter if the Republicans and Democrats agree to help the airlines. You got to have something passed. I guess, uh, Phil, don't go away. Jim, I guess in that case, where does it end, right? Grants. When does the chip industry come looking for its own handout? And, Correct. I mean, how, how far are we going to go down this line? I mean, geez, it's unrealistic to give grants to some. That, that just, I, I don't understand. Maybe that's just a negotiating part, but, you know, look, they can get I don't no think so, Jim. I, well, but it's not, it's not realistic. If everybody gets grants, then it's going to be defeated. It, it, it's not well, going to happen. Well, now, here you hit the rub on the whole issue. If you are a member of Congress and the airline executives come in and they say, look, we're going to furlough, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 people, however many that they've outlined so far, we're going to furlough those people, we're going to have to be a smaller airline, and oh, by the way, that means that we're going to be cutting back service to some of these smaller markets. Some of those markets are in your, in your district. Right. You and I both know. The number one thing, maybe not the number one thing, but one of the top things that people in Congress do not want to lose, service, air service to their district. doesn't matter if it's a podunk little town or a mid-sized city, they want service to their city. Well, the airlines are basically saying, you know, we're going to become smaller. And as part of being a smaller airline, we're going to have to rethink our route network. And that may mean that your district may not have as much air service or any air service in the future. That is the rub of what's going on here. But, but, but Phil, why can't they get a modified form of PPP, uh, something that makes it so the workers are protected and there's some additional right. that it gives us so the airlines can stay in business? Why does it have to be a grant of which people are going to say it's just going to the, the execs? PPP Cor works so well. You know, well, Phil, no, they're no, not they would making make, the They case. would make the argument. They would make the argument that if you do some kind of PPP and however you want to structure it, as long as the airlines do not have to borrow money to pay a particular worker who they're not going to be using. Let's be honest here. The airline industry is getting smaller. Right. And because the airline industry is getting smaller, it needs fewer workers. That, that is not negotiable. That is happening. 
And as a result, the question becomes, do you furlough 30 or 40,000 people? Or does the government say, we'll do another CARES Act and right. we'll give a grant or something so that these employees are paid and they are on the payroll through the end of March? Right. That I, I, really I, is the question. I think a forgiven loan like they gave to the, for PPP is something that is acceptable to the American people. Uh, here that, you can have the loan, and if you keep the people on, we're going to forgive it. But we're not going to give you a grant because it may right. not keep people. It may not keep those towns from getting from losing service. You are all over this, and you know I think that the grant is a stance that will not sit well with the American people. Right. right well, the grant was the first one. The first fifty billion included twenty-five <laughs> billion, which was primarily grants and a little bit of loans. I think it was seventy percent grant, thirty percent right. loans of the twenty-five billion that went. To, to cover worker expenses or worker payroll. So now what they're saying is we want an, a, another CARES Act like that. But you bring up a good point. I mean, do other industries come up and say, well, wait a second. We want whatever industry it is. We, we want, uh, a, you know, some type of a, a CARES Act for us as well. Right. It's just, yeah. it's not, boy, Meadows uh, is Phil, making thanks. a lot of news. That's uh, great, um, Phil. He, he really yeah. is. Uh, Phil, thank you. Um, <laughs> By the way, as the S&P is trying to hold the 50-day, Meadows is making some comments or did make some comments about TikTok, David, and whether or not it's U.S. majority share owned. I'm sure you got a lot more on that. Yeah, I wanted to you know, just come back to the story that we've been following, of course, uh, in fits and starts to a certain extent. Share some new reporting, at least, that uh, on that. First of all, of course, and we were talking about this earlier, Jim, uh, when we were talking about Tiffany and then we were talking about TikTok and the U.S. government's role here. I am told the president uh, is, and this is people who are familiar with uh, what is going on right now, that will uh, make a decision in the next 24 to 36 hours. So we should know whether or not this deal under which Oracle would at least become uh, the web hoster of uh, TikTok's data here in the U.S., uh, and a lot more uh, we should know whether that, in fact, will uh, take place in the next 24 to 36 hours. Now, what remains somewhat unclear, remember the journal reported that ByteDance, the owner of TikTok, would still hold a majority of it. The president indicated yesterday during that press conference that was not something he was potentially comfortable with. And the journals reported that perhaps that won't be the case. I don't have great visibility on where that stands exactly. So what it is exactly the president is going to make a decision on. It does appear Cepheus has already more or less said we're okay with this. Uh, it is included, is my understanding as well, that Oracle will have all access to the source code. In other words, at least be able to see it all, to the algorithm um, and, and things of that nature. So they will be able to, it will be, you know, and again, TikTok's data will be, the U.S. will be hosted on their servers here. Uh, as we've said many times, Safra Katz, of course, CEO of Oracle, very well connected to national security circles it would appear in Washington, D.C. Uh, another tidbit for you guys. Apparently, Oracle's going to own roughly 20 percent, I'm told, of what would be this new entity, this TikTok entity. Um, and Walmart will be involved. Uh, you know, Jim, we've speculated on that. You've really? talked about okay, that. Okay, you, yes. you have it. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that Walmart has rolled in in some fashion to this deal. And in fact, Doug McMillan, if there is a board of directors that is uh, newly created for the entity, Walmart may have a, 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 a place on that board of directors, uh, Doug McMillan. So that's what we have right now, guys. You know, again, sort of not, not, uh, not enormous advances here, but we should know something fairly soon. And including, which we don't know, what's the actual price? 20% of what? What are they paying 
uh, for, of course, what is a deal that is going to allow them then to obviously land a big client for their cloud business, Jim, at Oracle, but which is a deal that people will continue to question given the tight ties that exist between Larry Ellison, of course, the founder of Oracle, and Safra Katz, uh, its CEO. Yeah, you the that administration. One. Exactly. I'm good to hear that Walmart's involved because it. They've been saying over and over again, this would be fantastic for their e-commerce. Walmart Plus would do very well. Yeah. It makes so much sense. They just need to structure the deal so that the president just feels comfort after an IPO uh, that this is barely a Chinese company. Yeah, I mean, in some ways it is reflective, and certainly those supporters of it would say, of how the Chinese treat our companies when you want to do business in China. The forced joint venture. That's kind of what this is. It's a forced joint venture. Yes, forced joint venture. Yeah. yeah. trying to recall when I've seen that last. I know. Uh, maybe that's going to be the rule. Maybe that'll what they try to do with WeChat, although it's a much smaller business here in the U.S. than TikTok is, it would seem. But it, it does once again say that if we can get a deal, if we get deals, we stem the red ink because we did hit that level that I felt uh, is where there are some bargains. Yeah, I should point out, Oracle, by the way, sources up. Uh, people at Oracle have not returned uh, calls for comment on that. Carl. Never. No, never. You know who you are. Pick Guys, I uh, got an initial drop. Below 33.39, which was the 50-day uh, yep. on the S&P. Got a little bounce here back to 33.50. Uh, coming up later on this morning, LinkedIn's founder, uh, Reed Hoffman, and Zynga's uh, founder and chairman, Mark Pincus, talk about what else their new SPAC later on today. It's unusually weak this morning as the S&P is uh, mostly red. Got some green components. Uh, GE, of course, coming off of uh, Larry Culp's comments about cash flow. Kroger is in there, Discovery as well, Ford too. Watch that as we get uh, these opening trades on this Thursday. Don't go away. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. There is one wild, wild up uh, push today. It's, a, it's City taking their price target for Caterpillar from 150 to 175. Why does this matter? It's saying that the dollar's weak. That's great for Cat against Kumatsu. Uh, that mining orders are coming back. But what's most important is I want to contrast with, with Snowflake. It sells around 17 times earnings if they, the numbers come through. Uh, Snowflake's 100 times sales. And so people are going to gravitate, the big institutions, to the Caterpillars, not to the Snowflakes. And that's going to be a change that I don't know if everyone's ready for. Yeah, that's a nice bounce coming off of those rolling uh, sales figures, which we got earlier in the week, yes. Jim. I mean, um, how about tonight? You get a stimulus package. Holy cow. Okay, tonight we have Proofpoint, and then we have a company who I've been recommending since it traded at $3, Penn National Gaming. Okay? Now, what is Penn National Gaming? Well, first, it is, you know, a unique, it's a unique property that's not in Macau. It's a nationwide, small casinos. But Erica Nardini and Dave Portnoy the Barstool Sports gambling package has made it so that they may be the best casino stock to own in the world. Sportsbook. Is there Jim, anyone we'll s- better than Barstool for Sportsbook? We'll- no. Pen, look at this pen. It's up another 270. Know- yeah. Yeah, Stiefel goes to 85 today, Jim, with the Portnoy mention in the note. That was interesting. It's getting we'll there. We'll see you tonight. Yeah, only $9 billion for Penn Nat. <laughs> Give me a break. It should be about 15. Goes higher. Uh, Met. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 
How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.